Welcome to the Possibly Haunted Podcast. Welcome back to the Possibly Haunted Podcast. Um, I am your camp counselor, Heather, and this week's activity, we're going to dive back into some flute lore, but this time, instead of the awesome uh, awesomeness of love and sexuality, like we talked in my last episode, we're going to talk about flute and death. Uh, you know, why not? I think that's a nice... Uh, solid topic. <laughs> Before we get into all of that, I would like to read the Coven Corner comments from Morgan's episode. Uh, if you haven't watched that yet, or watched it, I'm sorry, uh, this is not YouTube. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, go back because Maybon is upon us. It's literally going to be a week from when this episode comes out. Get prepared and do what you need, whatever you want to do from Avon or Autumn Equinox, however you want to celebrate. Um, but her coven corner was, have you read a book over quarantine and what was it? And so on Facebook, I replied with mostly folk folklore books, specifically world flute lore, uh, the book that I read in my last episode and will be reading from this episode again. Um, but I also want to add, I just got in a book about Mavon. It's part of the, and I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, Llewellyn's Sabbath Essentials series and I have been wanting these books for a really long time getting the whole series at once is quite expensive um so I've made a little wish list on Amazon so I know how to find them but anyways they have one for uh each Sabbath and so I'm gonna get them in the order starting with Mabon and go from there and what I really like about it so far is that it not only talks about you know the different rituals it talks about the old ways of how people celebrate it in different uh pagan cultures there's recipes for food and you know tea and just like different ways you can celebrate there's lore you know how I am about that folklore about the autumn equinox and so it's just it's a bunch of different things that you might not expect a Sabbath book to have. You know, there's also divination, crafts, correspondence, which I think is kind of neat, uh, different prayers, different types of meditation. So I just, I'm really excited about diving into each one of these books as the certain Sabbath comes on. But uh, Elise commented also, and I, I'm assuming it's just one book? I feel, I feel like that's the uh, the drama that's necessary. She says, I've probably read 20 plus since March, which I'm not surprised. She's a, She loves her books, um, just like Morgan. Atomic Habits by James Clear was great. On the fiction side, I really enjoyed the Daughter of Sherlock Holmes series, which I didn't know was a series, so I'm very excited. Thank you, Elise, for bringing that up. I know there's a show coming out, and that looked really good. And so then when I saw that it was a book series, I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so... Thank you, Elise, for commenting. Remember that you can answer these Coven Corners either on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
Or you can email us at possiblyhauntedpodcast at gmail.com if you don't have socials, and we will read them in either the next or a future episode. We might have to recalibrate when these come out, but they will come out. So, Okay, for today's activity, like I said, we're going to be revisiting some more flute lore because I just didn't quite get enough in the last episode I did. But this time we're going to be focusing on death. Um, So my coven corner for this episode for you to respond to so we can read it in the next episode is do you have a favorite musical instrument if so what is it this might seem silly or maybe you don't think you have one because you're you don't consider yourself a musician but what instrument if you listen to music what instrument are you drawn into right and i do count the voice as an instrument I'm just going to say that right now. So if you prefer the human voice or a bird's voice or <laughs> a cow's voice, I'm down. Let me know. What what do y'all like? For me, obviously, I can't pick one because that's just not the kind of person I am. Flute is one of them, hence this the series of flute lore. I'm also really drawn to uh, fiddle in, performed in the, in the folk sense and the different folk genres. I'm also really drawn to guitar. There's something about it. Um, it's probably because I grew up with rock, but a really good guitar riff or a solid guitar groove I'm really into. So uh, yeah, I would say flute, fiddle, guitar. And I really, really do want y'all to respond. So I, I'm just, I'm always very curious as a musicologist and professor, what people are drawn to, whether it's like sounds or, you know, uh, nostalgia, however, however you want to tell me why you're drawn to that instrument. And it could be just, I like the sound. I dig it. Let me know. Let me know in our socials or in our Gmail. And uh, like I said, we'll read it in a future episode. Okay. Now, now, let's get into some flute lore. Like we did before, let's uh, set the mood. Let's pretend it's nighttime and we're surrounding a campfire. Start to hear those nighttime sounds, those campfire sounds. Just kind of let it settle in. I know we're getting really relaxed when we're about to talk about death, but this is the vibe we're going for. We're just going to roll with it. Okay, so like I did before, I'm going to read the small brief story that this kind of surrounds, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get into it. This story was collected from uh, Austria, and it's called The Rat Catcher of Kornenberg. Long ago in Europe, when many plagues were common and difficult to stop unlike today, the town of Kornenberg, Austria, had such a terrible infestation of rats that the people were in despair. Rats were everywhere, in nooks and crannies, in open streets and fields, in apartments and houses, no place was safe from them. When a woman opened a cupboard or a dresser drawer, rats jumped out. When a man went to bed, the straw on his mattress began to rustle from nesting rats. When a family sat down at the table to eat, rats jumped up for dinner without an invitation or showing no fear. All attempts to get rid of the ugly animals were in vain. It was so bad that the wise town councilmen gathered together to establish a reward from whoever would rid the town of its vermin. 
A public announcement for the reward was made and posted throughout the area. In a few days, an oddly dressed stranger wearing patched clothes appeared to the mayor's office and asked if there was still reward for ridding the town of its rats. The mayor assured him there was, whereupon the pied stranger said he could lure all the rats away from their hiding places and out of town with his artistic talents and he would drive them into the Danube River. The mayor and the councilman were very delighted to hear this and told him to go ahead and do it immediately. At once, the stranger went to the town square at the center of Kohenberg. He reached into a dark leather bag that hung from his shoulder and took out a small black wooden transverse flute. He began to play not pleasant tones, but high-pitched notes that the rats seemed to be attracted to and enjoy very much. In large numbers, the rats came out from all the nooks and all the crannies. Roads and fields, apartments and houses, and other places where they were hiding and nesting, and ran towards the Pied Piper, playing the piercing music. The rat-catching flutist slowly walked towards the Danube River, tooting his flute, followed by a train of rats that meandered through the streets like a hideous black and gray worm. Once at the shore of the river, the flutist neither stopped playing nor ceased walking, and without hesitation he waded into the river upon to his chest. The rats followed him into the water. Not being good swimmers, they panicked, floated into the middle of the river, and were drowned as they were swept away by the swift currents and eddies of the river. Every rat in this town had followed the pied flutus, and not even one rat's tail remained at the river's edge. The amazed and jubilant people of Kronenberg assembled at the bank of the river to cheer and applaud this mysterious flute-playing stranger with the patched clothes. The rat catcher stepped out of the river and went to town hall to collect his reward. Now, however, the rats were gone, and the mayor was far less friendly, saying that the job wasn't really that difficult for the stranger, and that this is no guarantee that the rats won't come back. He offered the rat catcher a quarter of the reward money and told him to get out of town. However, the flutist refused to accept the meager amount and insisted on the full payment originally agreed upon. Defiantly, the mayor threw the money bag containing a quarter amount of the reward at the feet of the stranger and showed him to the door. The rat catcher, however, left the money untouched and exited the council chamber with an angry and evil look in his eyes. Several weeks went by, and one day the stranger reappeared, now dressed in splendid clothes rather than in patches. At the town square, he reached into his leather bag, and this time removed a golden transverse flute. Putting it to his lips, he began to play, not high-pitched tones as before, but beautiful enchanting music that everyone listened to in amazement and entranced by the wondrous sounds. The children, however, were not spellbound, but it exited their homes and ran up to the flutist in droves. Immediately they followed him to set off with lilting steps while playing his golden flute to the edge of the river. On the bank of the river, a sailing ship was moored. Adorned with colorful ribbons and flags fluttering in the wind. Without stopping his music or lilting his pace, the flutist boarded the ship with all the children trotting along behind him. When the last child boarded, the flutist pushed the vessel away from the shore, took the tiller, and sailed into the middle of the river in the bright sunshine, going downstream faster and faster until disappearing out of the view of the stunned adults still in town, unable to move. Only two children had remained behind. One was deaf and had not heard the alluring music of the golden flute, and the other had returned to the shore to get his jacket. When the adults were released from the magical spell of the rat catcher's golden flute music and looked for the children, none was to be found except the two that had remained behind. 
The adults suffered tremendous sorrow at the loss of their children, and there was loud lamenting throughout the town. Almost all the families suffered the loss of one or more children. This was the revenge of the deceived Pied Flutus, the rat catcher of Cronenberg. Neither he, the sailing vessel, nor the children were ever to be seen or heard of again. That's a lot. It also might sound really familiar. A lot of people in kind of Eurocentric or Western cultures know of the story of the Pied Piper. That's usually the name instead of Pied Flutus. Uh, I know I, I heard of the Pied Piper, you know, taking rats out of the town, um, and then something happening, and then he took the children out of the town, and now I guess I know why. Two, a couple lessons about this. Uh, first, the very first sentence saying, when many plagues were common and difficult to stop, unlike today, obviously, um, that's just not true, uh, at this moment. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, so a lesson to be learned, uh, that I think we are still having to hound on today. Exposure is not payment. <laughs> Partial payment is breaking the contract. Pay your musicians. Like, at the end of the day, they may not take your children, but just pay your musicians. Pay your artists. They're just as valuable and important as our scientists, our mathematicians, politicians, I say sarcastically. Yeah, pay Pay your musicians. What's really cool when I read, you know, some kind of analysis of the story, that there were actually towns in Germany and Austria, because um, the Grimm's brother found a very similar story called the Pied Piper of Hamlin. And there's also called, you know, there's there's different versions of of this. There's another variant of this legend called the Rat Catcher of um, Magdalengrund. And a lot, a lot of these stories revolve around the German speaking Austrian speaking areas and lands um Germany and Austria weren't like a specific nation at the time and some of them do end up where uh he does drown the kids um instead of just taking them and then another version um I don't remember if this was based on fact or it was just like another variant of folklore but that he did take the 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 kids away and the parents couldn't do anything about it they're like paralyzed while the kids follow him and then a couple of weeks later they hear about how a massive amount of children were sold as slaves Constantinople or the slave markets of Constantinople so um I think that was another variant but the story is showing the power of music specifically of what the flutist it can do um, and it didn't really matter. He, he had, I, I'm, I'm curious more about why he was dressed in tatters, clothes with a, you know, a poorer flute, and then he comes back in richer clothes with a golden flute. Now, the material does actually change the timbre. There's a lot of flutists who have rose gold head joints um, with a, like a gold lip plate. Um, and there's reasons for that. Like they produce either, you know, like warmer, brighter, different tones. And obviously wooden, uh, wooden flutes have a lot more open and airy, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's just, it's, it, there's like a, a more literally nature, natural sound. I actually have a wooden head joint that I, I play a lot of my folk music on. Um, so that I can still have the flexibility of my metal flute, but the sound of a wooden flute. So I know that there's a different timbre, and so the gold 
flute would probably have a more, you know, sonorous sound, uh, a more like warm, pleasant tone. But I'm curious for folklore reasons, why is it kind of one of those, I am an old lady, but you like didn't help me. So now I'm gonna turn into the beautiful woman and I'm actually a witch and I'm gonna like curse you. Is that like treat people of all classes well? I'm not really sure. I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious about that. But you know, I, as a, as a flutist myself, I do find it interesting that there's two different flutes and they do two different things. I don't know if it's based on the material of the flute or if it's just based on the intention of the performer. As I've kind of casually mentioned, my thesis was about the power of sound and I actually have a chapter on how sound can be used as a weapon. Part of that was the instrumentation, part of it was the intention, you know, there was like an indirect weapon versus a direct weapon and like in this chapter he talks about how flutes are used not really for death or as a direct weapon. And that's partially, I, I do agree, I haven't done enough research to be able to spout. It's probably just my rebellious side wanting really hard <laughs> to have flute be this like metal weapon. Uh, <laughs> that's just, that's just me. Flute, as I mentioned in the last episode, does tend to get used for bird sounds and like representations of love and that kind of idea. So when I found this chapter of Flutes and Death, I got you know, really excited. And in this story, it they do keep saying Pied Flutist. And Flutist, Flautist, I don't care. You know what I'm talking about. And it's spelled Flutist in the story, so that's why I keep saying that. But it does, like, talk about the Flutist. And then when it describes the flute, it does say transverse, which means it goes to the side. I talked about this on the last episode. Just a little recap. A duct flute goes down like a recorder or oboe or something like that whereas a transverse flute goes out to the side and that's what we see more in the traditional metal flutes but so the description and calling it a transverse flute it, it is saying more about the flute but in other stories it's he's literally called the pied piper and so there's a lot of speculation on a lot of these different myths that have connections to flute sounds causing death or causing you know problems and a lot of them say that that's not actually a flute it's probably an oboe or a sham which is the ancestor of the oboe or anything that is a double reeded instrument or, or or creates like a reed sound and so like like a bagpipe which was prevalent in many cultures across europe and the middle east they have a reed in their chanter and so it creates this very reed like sound which can be a lot more alarming than a flute, right? Flute usually, again, it's very uh, aesthetically pleasing. It's very gentle, relaxing, beautiful. And I love bagpipes, but they are loud and they're in your face. And I can see them being like heralds of death <laughs> in, in a way. And so there's a lot of speculation on whether or not it's like really, you know, most of the time, if, is it, you know, if they say pipe or piper, they're probably talking about a bagpipe. And uh, depending on the description of it, probably maybe an oboe or a sham. Or something like that and so while the flute the story i read probably is more about the flute it's interesting that this variant story in the same areas does change from like region to region so i'm curious now about the what was like the popular instrumentation around those different areas and is, how, is that how the story happened um or is you know is it the same person traveling from town to town trying to get money and get rid of all the the rats and one day they have a flute and the next they have a pipe because why not <laughs> so i thought that was 
really interesting just like having to interpret that and just this idea of sound being able to control you. We talked about it before where we there is an emotional response. You know, as far back as Aristotle and, and, and Plato, they talk about that. And we're still using it today in, in all of our TV shows and movies and soundtracks. So we know that there's an emotional response, but to have a physical response for the, the adults to have been paralyzed, probably watching children leaving, and then the children kind of being so mesmerized and, and hypnotized to just joyfully follow this stranger into the same river that you saw him take rats. Now you saw a boat, maybe like, ah, we're good, we're going to go on a boat. But I, I don't know. If I saw going to the same river, I'd be like, oh, well, it's happening. But then I wouldn't because, right, I'm, I'm tricked. I'm hypnotized. So that physical, direct power of sound fascinates me. And it's in so many different stories across cultures of that kind of idea. And, and there's different stories and folktales that have direct and indirect use of that. So there's a story... Uh, from a Bulgarian folktale called The Shepherd and the Samdavi. And basically, they it is believed that whistle sounds attract spirits that are evil or at least playful, kind of a mischievous way, kind of like fairies in, in a sense. And so even if they aren't evil, there's, there's a chance that it's not going to go well for whoever's, you know, worrying about that. And so there are stories about flutes music that directly causes death to the flutist um, because they're making those sounds and in inviting those evil spirits. And so I find that really interesting where it's you're just playing a flute and somehow that awakens a dark force or play a mischievous force and that can cause, you know, death to the actual performer. So that's interesting to me. And, you know, the, the chapter goes even further talking about how it's actually like the direction of the flute. So like a, in, in certain cultures, in a different culture, we're kind of jumping around the globe right now. It was a ducked flute, like something that's played down that attracts dangerous spirits. And, and a lot of children in those different cultures are like discouraged from playing flute, which is interesting to me because, like I said in the last episode, flute... And percussion and voice, those are the first three instruments that probably developed in different societies. And then all of a sudden, you know, ah, don't don't play that flute because you're going to invite evil spirits. And that's just going to be a whole nother bag of worms. And then there's a distinction between that and the transverse flute, which goes to the side. And that actually attracts benevolent beings and divine love. And that's kind of what we talked about in that last episode. So I also, I know I'm, this is really just the nerdiest episode ever because I'm, that's, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with the, the way that music and instruments are used and understood in different cultures and how that, you know, is reflected in their folklore. There's so much to actually like unpack with the different stories that are in this chapter but we simply don't have time for that. <laughs> so I hope y'all enjoyed that. I know this was probably a little weird. Um, I guess, you know, on social media or in our Gmail or, you know, what, however you want to communicate, let me know if you've ever heard 
some version of that story, the rat catcher of Kornberg. When I first read this, I was immediately in my hometown um, when it was first being settled. It was literally called Ratsville because, and I'm talking about like in the 1800s, guys, like way back, because there were so many rats. And so now I'm like, was there a Pied Piper? Was there a Fiddler? How did they get rid of the rats? <laughs> um so, and I, I, I grew up with similar stories. I just couldn't remember exactly why the Pied Piper, you know, retaliated. And um, everyone makes the Pied Piper out to be evil. And it's like, no, you do not agree to your contract. Nowadays, we go to the court and we sue you if we have the money, if you don't agree to our contract. How, how many people would agree to the contract if I could just whip out my flute and be like, so do you want to keep all your fur babies? Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to kill the fur babies. I'm just going to take them to a better home. P people who actually uphold their contracts. Okay, well, <laughs> also, I forgot to mention, this is our last Coven Camp episode of this particular series. We'll probably do it again in the future, but um, our next episode, we're going to have all of us back together one way or the other, and we hope you enjoyed the Coven Camp series. It was something new we wanted to try. Partially because, obviously, we're working with the restraints of the pandemic, but also it gave us each a chance to kind of talk about stuff that we really like to talk about, but maybe is a little more difficult to have for a full episode. So this was a, a, a neat thing to try for us. We've kind of liked it. We hope y'all did. Let us know if this worked for y'all or not so we know whether or not to do it in the future. And, and just remember, you know, whether or not you... Or in a, I hope not, rat-filled place. Whether or not you don't uphold your contract and have the revenge of a Pied Piper, a Pipe Flutist, you could still be possibly haunted. <laughs>